Blog Talk Radio. Did them for me, and she just um, 
let me tell y'all, she's in Arlington, Texas, and she's down at the hair weaves. She's just really good. She does more than just braids. She does weaves, relaxers, and all kind of stuff. I just, I really had a great time with her. And you know what? Here's the deal. It was so funny because you know how you always be something. Y'all know one of my things I want to do is, like, y'all know how I love, love, like, Joey Chavez and Alusa is a Leah Janelle. I always say her name right, Janelle, the girl, other dancer. Oh, my God, I love, love, love them, okay? So uh, me and her got to talking about that. She said, oh, my God, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to have a twerking sip. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, I do dance classes. <gasps> Y'all know I've been wanting to learn how to do some, like, sexy dances, right? So we, she said we're going to get together and do some, learn how to do some dances. Y'all know how I am about to try to learn. <laughs> So I'm excited about that. I am so excited. So I was like, "Yay!" I'm gonna have to. So I'm gonna have to keep up with her so I can make sure. I may have another appointment for later, much later on in the month. But I mean, much later on next month. But uh, I I had to keep up because I was like, you know, that is. I said, "Damn, this is this is it's fate." <laughs> I be mean, down only a hairdresser that does my hair fierce, uh, my braids fiercely, but she does dance and she has dance classes on the side. What? <laughs> it's fate for me to uh, do one of those dances. <laughs> so I love that. Okay, and we got to talking about that. And you know, she's young. She's like in her twenties. And I here's what I really love because you know when you hang around, when you get to. Be, Step into the younger people's category I love to hear what y'all listening to And it was I mean It was interesting Because like, she had on a Pandora station Like a Pandora mix And like you know I, I kind of got to see What y'all's all What, you, what y'all liking out here in these streets Kind of right now I already kind of know a little bit But I I have more of a How can I say this I I I didn't know what it's quite like, you know, what's the like the the hardcore R and B segment is listening to and she happened to be one of those girls that listens to different stuff like Chris Brown and we talk Trey about Trey songs and stuff like that. We talk about different people. But I tell y'all, I feel like, you know, and this is what I've been knowing. Y'all like a lot of Queen Naya, what's the Queen Girl? Uh uh a a, a, a lot of Janae Ago. They all sound like her to me. <laughs> a lot of, a whole fucking lot of Jasmine Sullivan. Listen, but I was thinking to myself, I was wondering to myself because, you know, every song that came on was like, I'm going to tell y'all, when I was listening to the different stuff, and I went to this Pandora station, you know, listened to a little bit. But every song was, get your shit, get out. <laughs> They creating angry ass songs for these women now. <laughs> All right, are you worth it? Can you come? I heard that one. I did like that one. The song proved that you worth it or whatever. Oh, I like that. I was like, hey, I like that. But I was like, kind of like, wow. So I was thinking, you know, I may have do on here because y'all know how I love to talk to younger women. So maybe I'll do a, like some sessions. Like, if my it's a words are going to be probably the next couple of weeks maybe geared to younger women and talking to y'all about protecting your ear gates so for your relationships, different things like that. We'll see, okay? 
But tonight, do I have an Isor? No. I really don't. I really couldn't think of one. I really could not think of one. So I don't have an Isor word for you guys. Maybe later on into the uh, show you'll get one. <laughs> Maybe it'll come, you know, out accidentally through some story I'm going to talk about or whatever, but I don't have one, okay? So, uh, but I may try to start doing Isor words for young women because I found it interesting that these songs had these such such hardcore subjects and women were so in the songs very hardened about them. <laughs> Not that I haven't heard those songs before, but it was a continuous flow so I got to hear it so I was like, Whoa like, wow like, you know and I know that's like a lot of because this is a cool young girl, so I know this is probably a lot of the stuff y'all listening to. So it was really interesting to me, okay? And then I just saw her, A-T-R, what's the girl's name? She did, she got a new song with Chris Brown. She already, see, I told y'all, let me tell you, talk about this little girl. And she's smarter than the average, she's smarter than what Alicia Keys is doing because she's already, she kind of gave y'all a blank canvas with the with the eyeglasses on and everything like that. Shielding herself. I'm talking about A-T-R, if you guys are just tuning in. Cast kind of song called Come Through or something like that with Chris Brown. I think this is pressure for her, too, to be like, because her is kind of what she's across. You know, she's stuck in between worlds. She's stuck in between that classic neo soul R&B and a real hardcore R&B, right? And so I think there is, Chris Brown is not R&B, by the way, to me. I know y'all like to say that. He calls him king of R&B. I consider him pop, slight, or, or with a pop, with pop with a little R&B edge. Um, raunchy pop with an R&B edge. Uh, her doing music with Chris Brown. I'm not shocked by it because I think there's pressures. Her has to face pressures of the Janae Ock. What's her name? Aiko? What? I don't know how to say the girl's name. Janae Aiko? You got to face the pressures of the her of women like her today. She has to face pressures of of of, of Jasmine Sullivan types today, okay? So in a sense, she's walking this kind of Alicia Keezy type rope tight rope, and kind of like Alicia Keys was in her, when Alicia Keys came up, remember, I keep comparing her to Alicia Keys because she reminds me so much of her in certain ways, but Alicia Keys, when Alicia Keys had her little come up there, you know, Neil Soul was kind of hidden, but at the same, it was hidden, but at the same time, Alicia Keys was, as far as her career, you know, as far as it went on, Alicia Keys found herself battling the likes of, like, the pressure from the likes of Beyonce. There was pressure to do other things, right, to get out of, I feel like, what was may have been normally her, right? And I think that's what threw her off because there was so much pressure there. You know, I feel like that in my spirit that there was pressure for her in that. I may be wrong. But I feel like that's why she, she made the song with Beyonce. That's why. But Alicia really... She she's just kind of you know it's, she's just been all over the place. But this girl is doing something smart early on a little bit to me. 
she's starting to be a little bit more sexy. We're starting to see that. I'm starting to see the sexy coming out. I'm starting to see that, you know, because it's hard not to be in a leotard nowadays. It's very fucking hard. You can't, I mean, even if you've got a guitar, you know, even if you've got a piano that you can play, you got to, at some point, you got you kind of got to be sexy. I mean, you know, Rihanna, Beyonce's of the world have changed the landscape. <laughs> you know, you know, so you gotta, you gotta show that you're. It's, it's almost like that's a prerequisite now. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know how I feel about her doing this song because when I listened to it, I was like, eh. Like Damaged, I feel like Damaged was that attempt. Like, I like it. I love Damaged. I love the song Damaged, right? But I could tell by the lyrics that was the, the attempt to be a more harder form of R&B when she's kind of like the elite, the neo-soul form of R&B. And what I mean about the neo-soul form of R&B, because I hate the term neo-soul because I feel like, I mean, you know, it was a new type of R&B in the sense that they were kind of rebringing back R&B in a time when R&B had seemingly died out, right? But also I can say the neo-soul movement kind of spoke to the, uh, you know, like you thought, like he, you know, you thought they were all like incense and shea butter and, <laughs> you know, they were extra intelligent, like every, every – you know, the, the neo-soul movement with the Lauryn Hills and the Angelos and the Maxwells and stuff like that, you thought, I think people had this idea that you had these very odd Aquarian-like musicians. <laughs> and they are some of them. I think Aquarius is Aquarius. The Angelos are Aquarius. Maxwell might be Aquarius Moon. And I forget what, uh, but, and Alicia Keys is Aquarius. But, but like, with Lauryn and Gemini, you kind of had this, you, you're feeling like you're having this weird, Army of highly intelligent R&B, right? I hope y'all understand. I, I don't. That may be where it gets new in some senses. Like R&B was suddenly, and I could be wrong on this. Suddenly intelligent, like they weren't. Like Lauren Hill was intelligent R&B. Erica Badu is intelligent R&B because she's talking about reincarnation. Not that, that not that she wasn't, not, not that they didn't attempt it because it was, it's, it's not new because Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of did it. Tina Marie kind of did it. The, the, the new agey kind of R&B where, like, you're the, you're not necessarily, you might be a, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain this. And there were, you know, there are several types of hood girls, right? And I used to love this because they had a, it used to have, they used to have this book years ago called Black American Princess, uh, for makes kind of based off the movie Baps or something. It was a cute little book, and they were talking about the different black women you meet or different ideas of black women in the neighborhood and stuff like that. And so, you know, you had your hardcore girls and stuff like that. Then you had your butterflies, what they say, and they had all kind of different things in there. But it's sort of like Maxwell and D'Angelo and Erica Badu and them represented that girl who who has, in, like, thought, who reads books all the time, <laughs> may light incense. They smoke weed every now and then. <laughs> Goes to school. Like, it was that for So that was a, that maybe neat, that neo-soul was attractive in that way. And then there was the 
harder type of R&B that was just more like, it really didn't have, it was more just talking about relationships, but it didn't really have, like, just, like, with the nuance of that soul era that Alicia Keys comes out of, it, I mean, that she was birthed out of, that new age type of R&B was more for the intelligent crowd of R&B. How can, like, Earth, Wind, and Fire was for the intelligent crowd of R&B, right? Because they were talking about a, Earth, Wind, and Fire be talking about spirituality, astrology, relationships, everything was spiritual, right? So that's what, to me, the neo-soul artist represents. So her comes in sort of, sort of like a throwback a little bit to that neo-soul era. But doing a song with Chris Brown, that's like the other R&B. I don't even consider it R&B. I don't consider him R&B. But if we're going to throw him in the R&B category, he represents the R&B that, you know, just is fun. You know, don't doesn't have any thoughts. It's just fun dancing. It's a place for that, right, you know? Because I like some of the stuff by Chris Brown. But then there's that R&B that's not only sexy and sensual, but it makes you want to light an incense. It's highly intelligent R&B. And that's where I feel like she's burst out of. So she has to be careful about her collaborations, but I think she's feeling pressure from these other R&B girls who have R&B that is not as lofty as her R&B. Am I making sense? I think I just made sense there. <laughs> yeah, she's feeling pressure from other R&B girls who, whose R&B is not as lofty as hers, which I think is kind of crazy because, you know, you have other people coming up, too. You have other people coming up to the race. Like, I like this girl, like, named India Sean. I think she's dope, right? I love her. One who does Moving On. I might play her song in a second, but I really like her. Like, she's a, she's a throwback to, like, intelligent, lofty R&B, like Earth, Wind, and Fire R&B. Well, no, not, I won't even say Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'll say 70s, late 60s and 70s R&B because it was highly intelligent R&B. It wasn't just it wasn't just R&B about relationships, but it was about spirituality, about lots of things in life. Okay, so yeah, so that's why I, I look at her as that, and I think she may be feeling pressure now. From these other girls, because she's the top, she's come out as the top girl, like Alicia Keys did at that time. She comes out as the top person right now. But I think she's feeling a sense of pressure to do things like this song with Chris Brown, come through. Okay. No longer the Daniel Caesars and stuff like that. She's doing Chris Brown now, which is interesting to me because – I would not want to touch Chris Brown if, with a 10-foot pole if I'm her. And I know all the kids are going to like it. It's going to be probably a number one for her. But to me, it makes you very average because I feel like she's in a category of doing lofty R&B, right? Like I feel like, like when you're a lofty R&B artist, I feel like you have to be very protective of your energy. Like as a lofty R&B artist, you just can't do a song with anybody because people expect more from you as an artist, right? 
That doesn't mean you can't do a fun song every now and then, right? But you gotta pick. Like you gotta be careful not to choose what's what the masses, because you seem so uncool. The, the thing about lofty R&B artists is they're cool. Like, they're the cool kids. They may not be the most popular kids, but they're the cool, unique ones. Hey, you know, like, they're cool. Like, you got to be a certain way to get in their crowd and their group. Then they, they don't have to be popular because they got their own cult following that makes them more dope than the mass appeal people. It gives them a certain brand. Like, like when you think of artists like NDIRE, Kindred Family of Soul, stuff like that, they don't need, I mean, even though they would probably love to have the cash flow of the popular artists, but they carry with them a certain musicianship kind of lofty energy about their music, right? You kind of, you can't get them to throw out anything. <laughs> right, where you can get the mass appeal artists to throw out anything. So I would, if I'm her, ATR or whatever the fuck y'all call next girl, I would be very careful about branding myself with mass appeal artists. I've said this about Maxwell. I've said this about Gangelo. I've said this about a lot of artists, about branding yourself. Because, and that doesn't mean you can't do a song with them. It's just that you have to be very careful. Like, you know, I mean, because it sort of makes you ordinary. And I know that she's doing a lot of, a lot of collaborations. I mean, she's done a lot. She's been doing a lot. I'm like, damn, like, if quit doing all these damn collaborations. Like, when she when she said she wanted, when, her, when she showed up on D'Angelo's Versus, that was very much her lane. I like her in that lane. I like her making a song with somebody like D'Angelo or somebody like a Maxwell. But now that you've done a song with Chris Brown, would D'Angelo really want to fuck with you? I mean, they might. (laughs) But it seems like you're, you're doing a lot of duets. And I just feel like this is a girl who 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 came out looking like she's lost the R&B, but now early on she's feeling the pressure to be something else. She's feeling the pressure from the other crowd, right? And so now she's like, you know, I don't know if I want to be with these cool, unique kids who are strange <laughs> and think about lofty things, lofty parts of relationships with lots of emotions and they express themselves, they're not just saying, you know, oh, get in the bed and all that stuff. It's very expressive, <laughs> it's very expressive and stuff like that. I think that she she's finding her, herself feeling a lot of pressure. So I'm seeing that from her. I just noticed that tonight, okay? I don't know why I brought that up about her, but I really started to notice that, oh, wow, she's starting to feel the pressure from the other girls. She, she... Now she's being more sexy. It's nothing wrong with being sexy. Definitely do that. I think that's a great thing. But when we start doing Chris Brown duets, when you've already done a number of duets, including one with Jasmine So, I mean, she's done like four or five duets. It's like they're wearing you out. It's like she needs to pull back a little bit more. Like, she's that artist that needs a, like, ooh, like, I'm not going to be featured on everybody's song. Like, it's fucked up when you, 
like Alicia, let's talk about Alicia Keys for a second. Alicia Keys was featured on what's the song in New York? Because you know, at the time New York was coming out of was it coming? It was, when was that song done in New York? Alicia Keys and Jay Z. Let me look at that. Look that up real quick. I'm gonna get into the hot topics, but I wanted to talk about her for a minute. Alicia Keys and Jay Z. When did that song come out? I forgot. I think I know, but I want to make sure I'm right on it. Uh, okay, 2009, okay, man, eight years after, you know, eight years after, um, how can I, eight years after 9-11, New York is still, you know, basking in the, you know, trying to come back and be full, it's, it's eight years later, New York, that song in New York is kind of like a little anthem, and at the time, Jay Z wasn't as massively. I mean, he was he was still a big rapper, but it wasn't. It wasn't like it is today, right? Like he's like massively bloated. Marrying Beyonce made him a whole nother thing, okay? And dating her, he was married to her at that time too. But it just it's still at the time. I mean, he had just married her. Like maybe what was it like? Did he just marry? Her? I can't fucking remember. But whatever. The whole thing is. It had not yet become so massive as it is now. I mean, she was still they were still massive, okay? But I really felt, even though that was a big hit for Alicia Keys, you didn't see Alicia Keys partnering with a lot of people. Like, when she did do a partner song, which I hate that song to this day, I hate the fire we make, but y'all like it. That's all that matters. <laughs> okay? But... The video was really neat. I love the video. The video, the visuals were really cool. I like the whole visual thing. It, it, it matched the song. I just wasn't a fan of the song, okay? But the fire we make, she made with Maxwell. Very smart move. When Alicia Keys would do videos, she would use odd rappers like Common. And, you know, she would do really odd, different things. And then when she did a song with a popular guy, she almost brought him to her energy. Almost, kind of like, I don't know how to explain this. It was sort of like when she did that song with Usher, my boo, it was sort of like, and Usher, Usher is a different R&B artist to me than Chris Brown, okay? I know a lot of people like to compare Usher to Chris Brown. Chris Brown has a lot of great beats, okay? Lyrically, eh, but the beats are wonderful, okay, on his song, you know. Usher is like a true, authentic R and B artist, like gritty or even even though he he was he was massive in that time, you know, a massive he had crossed over to the pop side, but Usher has some really great songs, like really great songs, like they're they're not machine. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't sound like one big machine, like beat machine going on. I mean, Usher really has some great so. Usher meeting with Alicia Keys was different, okay, for me, because he was a true R&B artist, just happened to be really big. But Alicia and him really complimented each other with that my boo. And Alicia, in some ways, brought that to, she brought Usher right down to herself. Chris Brown, for her, is so far out there for me, for this girl, her. Because, and the reason why I say that is because of the type of me. 
the type Usher could compete with Lost. Could do he could it was smart. It could, you could he could do a Losty song. You know what I'm saying? Because he kind of had Losty R&B that just happened to get real popular, right? I wouldn't say Losty R&B. He had R&B, right? But people had mass appeal. It's pop, right? Pop and R&B. But it was something about him and Alicia Keys coming together. I got it. Uh, I don't get it with her. I think her is making mass, even though Alicia Keys made, and I'm comparing them, but Alicia Keys made a lot of wise choices. and I mean, to me, she didn't do, at least I don't remember her doing a lot of features. This girl is doing a whole lot of features. And now she's slowly changing her image. And she's so good, she don't have to do that. She's just good, you don't have to do it. When the record company say, do this song with Chris Brown, I'm going to say, no, take that shit back. You got a song with D'Angelo or Maxwell or somebody? I'm not doing that. I mean, because of she is presenting herself as a lofty R&B artist, or is that a real image? Like, is that the way they show sold her? You know, because they did that. They do that. They will, like, you know, crash your image. Let's make you. Like, I often feel like I talk about Maxwell. You know, Maxwell's my favorite R&B artist besides Luther and then, you know, Luther and my third is, I put under, Maxwell's Marvin, right? But I, I love those are my three, right? Luther, Maxwell, and Marvin, okay? Now, I often feel, though, that Maxwell was not, Maxwell's image was kind of, like, I feel almost that they saw a very cute, unique guy. Right, who is making unique music, and I almost think because I think most women felt that's why I always go back to the, the selling of the girl, the girlfriend when y'all got mad at Maxwell, y'all get mad at him for the few years when he was dating white women and stuff. But I think what was going on is because y'all thought he was like this shea butter, like I always talk about this shea butter power to the people type of character, and I really don't believe that was who he was. I actually feel like he's more Aquarian in terms of what I mean by is that you, you have an artist that was, uh, who could pull off that, right, because, like, you know, but you had a guy that was really, they gave him the, you know, the the image of, like, he's lighting incense all day. <laughs> I mean, that's what you figured when you first saw him. That's what I did. I don't know. And I always feel like that image was slightly off. Like, I actually think he was probably opposite. Like, he probably listened to a lot of R&B and liked R&B artists and stuff. But I also feel like I heard him one time on the interview talking about, um, he was talking about a band that he used to listen to. And I was laughing. I said, that's exactly who he is. Like, it was like a, it was like a white uh, kind of, and I said, you know, he he's really an oddity. Like I feel like he was more oddity, but they put him in that that Erica Badu like <laughs> Erica Badu like thing. Y'all thought y'all we everybody thought that hook line and sinker, but that wasn't really him. It might be slightly him, but I don't think it was. Uh, they kind of played up the like when you. you like when you hear him say 
girl with a cocoa kind of flow and all that stuff. Then they gave him these videos always using women of color, uh, dark to light, and to, you know, and so it gives you this image of someone who's woke, right? And then you find out, like, later on he's dating this white model, and he hangs with all the fashion elite and stuff like And so you're shocked because you're like, whoa, like, wait a minute, I thought he was only shea butter and 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 <laughs> Talking black empowerment. I, that's what he, he does, right? But I'm just saying I don't think it was the, in the way we thought that it came, the cell was, okay? So this is what I'm saying, the same thing of her. Like, is her really what we were presented with at first? Like this, owed to or tribute to Alicia Keys. Like, you know, like, that's what I felt like she showed up as. Like, she showed up, like, Alicia Keys showed up as Patrice Russian, <laughs> right? But with a new, like, a new appeal, I actually feel that was Alicia Keys a little bit. I definitely feel that was real, the real, a little bit of the vibe of her. I don't think what we're seeing now, I think we're seeing a lot of stuff going on. I think we're seeing growing pains right now from Alicia Keys like growing pains, like trying to figure it out, like trying to figure out how do I handle now that I've evolved career, mommy, wife, wifey, and musician. How do I do all this? Who, how do I find myself in the midst of all of this and try to make a dope-ass record that people will get, right? So I, I really believe she was she was who she came out to be, right? She was very much who she, but I wonder if her is who she really is. Like, I feel like that about Maxwell. I feel like Maxwell wasn't really, he just happened to come out in that neo-soul time, and they needed him to look because he was singing lofty R&B. Lofty R&B. <laughs> what I mean by lofty R&B is like spiritual R&B, kind of like where they're talking really deeply about their feelings and in and, and a deep, very, in a very deep way. They're deeply discussing uh, having great sex till the cops come knocking. Who the fuck does? Who the fuck thinks about that? Like that's a deep ass thought. Of, like we go, we gonna be doing this so much too. It's so loud till the cops gonna come knocking. That's like a lofty, like R and B song to to come out to write that right. So I think that her maybe we might be fooled a little bit, like we were a little bit with Maxwell. Maybe with her, we're getting this idea of. That she's lofty R&B, but she's really not. And the reason we thought of her being lofty R&B because she writes and and she produces. I mean, I mean, she writes and writes her own songs and sings her own songs, and she plays instruments. And so, for some reason, we think she's lofty. <laughs> and the first album, I mean, or the EP, whatever it was, was very was very emotional and lofty. But now she's doing a lot of features and stuff, and I, I feel like she's starting to, and I'm starting to see, like, live the images slowly come, <laughs> come off. Like, we're getting, and we're seeing music with Chris Brown. Either she's feeling the pressure from the other girls, or else she's really be, we were sold something different. Maybe that's really not what she is. I'd be interested to see as we move 
forward into her career or something. Y'all think I'm wrong on this? Y'all can tell me. I know y'all write me and say so. Feel free to hit me up at the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page, okay? What do y'all think about her? I, I, I did really notice that, and I wanted to hit on that tonight about how I'm seeing her imaging be a lot different, okay? And I went through all of that conversation because of that, you know. So I hope y'all get it, all right? All right, so when I get back, we're going to start up on this news, child. Let me tell y'all. Now, y'all are here trying to think that Beyonce and Oprah and Kim Kardashian is going to outbrand Queen Elizabeth. Are y'all serious? Queen Elizabeth is a ruler. Yes, I said ruler. She's a politician, political figure. Y'all are not, them people is not outbranding Queen Elizabeth. They shouldn't even be mentioned in the same sentence. They, they're on two different roads. One's a group, one's a group of entertainers. The other one's a ruling world shit. At 95, one called a, some big wig, a couple of big wigs, she could drag their careers all through the mud. <laughs> okay? So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about, um, the Micaiah Bryant case, I'm going to tell you guys my thoughts on it. I'm also talking about Dr. Dre in these streets. Him and Nicole Young finally agreed, him and his ex, finally agreed on something, <laughs> to be legally single <laughs> while their divorce is going. They say, we can, we can agree on that shit <laughs> to break up. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about uh, Amazon, okay? New World Order shit, okay? Amazon launching Pay by Palm technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that and a whole a lot more when I get back here on the CC show. Damn, I don't even know my own, name, my own damn name, CCC show. A lot of chat with shows, <laughs> but meanwhile, I want to play for y'all. I told y'all I was gonna play a little bit of India, uh, Sean, one of my favorite songs by her. I really like it. I call it this, this is my just like my song for the year. Like I pick a song every year that's like the jam, right for me. Okay, and this one I love. Moving on, India Sean with Anderson Park, and I'll be back in a moment, y'all. Okay, <laughs> late night. Here we are, midnight edition, hot topics. I'll be back. <laughs> Please, allow me to show you something. Oh, 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 
out of world, mind like on a road, talk like she can get me hot with the convo. Then we fight like Battle of the Alamo. What you do? Oh, here we go. Skin caramel, fine like baby hair cute. But she gon' raise a lot of hell. Truth is I'm running out of lot to tell. New chick, I the new chick. I done lost count of excuses about why we can't be exclusive. Yeah. But I'll be damned if I lose it. I can't say I never knew it. I can't plan with your heart that is foolish. Sometimes when I think. What we could have been Hoping and dreaming We get back to the gym Festival season We thought it never end Holding your hand Holes in my plan Tears in your eyes Walking up the doctors I've been feeling dead inside Baby, don't cry I know you're terrified And girl, so am I But here's to the peace of mind I hope we both Oh, 
Lafio and me, <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fire, Love's Holiday. It is the CC Show. I am Carlotta. Yes, I am here. Late night edition. It is Hot Topics, Late Night Talk, okay? So I'm doing the show early for y'all because I ain't going to be no show on Saturday, y'all. <laughs> okay, so we we doing the show now. All right, I just want to say rest in power to Shock G, man. Ah, oh, when I heard that, I was like, oh, damn, like, I mean, literally this week, I mean, the last couple of weeks has been DMX, Rob, and then Shock G, oh, man, they, uh, the, they're they saying that, according to TMZ, that he was found in a hotel room, and uh, they don't know what the cause of death is, but very, very, um, Sad uh, prayers to his loved ones and his family. Listen, let me tell y'all about some digital underground back in back in my day. Listen, one of the best rap concerts I ever went to was Digital Underground. Okay, shit. I, listen, he was listen. We partied. That that was like they Digital Underground when they were perform. It was like a party. It was like a party atmosphere. Like it, it, you know, the other rappers be trying to be cool. Shit, not digital underground. You had it'd be like literally people. Then it would just be. It was, it was one of the best rap concerts I can remember ever going to. And I went to a lot of rap concerts. Shit, yes, I did. <laughs> yes, eighties on up. Okay, yes, I was. I I saw Salt and Pepper perform with the original Cinderella. <laughs> I saw uh, Fat Boys. <laughs> Like, that's why I have to tell y'all my age, right? Okay, but, <clears throat> yeah, so Digital Underground, they were that group. And they and they used to, every time, like, they would have a show, it was a party. I'm just saying, they they didn't, the, you know, my shit, my song, Freaks of the Industry. <sighs> that was my song. <sighs> that was my shit, <laughs> right? But, yeah, uh, prayers to the family. So, you know, it, it it's just that, I mean, Wow, that's just so sad to hear. Okay, so um, and you know he was they were they were responsible for Tupac's uh, career. Tupac kind of started out with digital. He did start out with digital underground. He started out as a dancer of all things, right? So, you know, man, lots of you know hip hop history there. Uh, so, man, that's just sad to hear. All right, all right, you guys, moving on into other news. Um, what else I want to talk to y'all about? Okay, okay. Do we, what do we say? We got, I'm looking here because I got the wrong thing up. I was supposed to talk to y'all about. <laughs> it's Kanye stuff. I don't think I'm supposed to talk about Kanye yet. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Let's get. Oh, Queen Elizabeth. Okay, y'all. Listen, I don't know why why anybody would think that Queen even compare Queen Elizabeth's brand to uh, Beyonce. And Kim Kardashian, and um, and uh, I think it was Oprah. I mean, come on, you know. I think in America, like we may have it, we may have it twisted. Like you know, like like what royalty does because we don't really, we're not supposed to be really. Uh, how can we, you know, really that like we're we're not supposed to. Royalty is not supposed to be a thing. The closest thing we get to royalty in uh, 
the United States is celebrity, right? And so maybe there's the, there is the there, that is the reason why we tend to think, you know, we 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 don't understand somebody like Queen Elizabeth's impact or global uh, branding is. It was she's a rural ruler. It's much different. Okay, she rules Great Britain. Okay, I say she rules Great Britain. I know. Great Britain is still ruled by the monarchy, okay? I see what I see what I see. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, of course, her brand is going to be out. It's going to be it. What do y'all think? Her brand is going to be a popping, okay? Queen Elizabeth is going to have a better brand. Listen, Beyonce, like I said, Beyonce couldn't even crack the top ten of Disney Plus with the gift remix. What makes y'all think she was going to be uh, uh, outbranded Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> Oh, that was a cheap shot. That was a cheap shot, Beehive. I'm sorry. I'm checking it. I'm going to stop this because I'm tired of going to the room out again. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm tired of being banished to the room. Oh, for those of you going, Carlotta, what is the Ramada Inn? You know, one of Beyonce's sons, she said all her haters can check it, check in at the Ramada Inn or something like that. But anyway. This is an article from etcanada.com. It says, the queen has helped build one of the world's most successful and biggest brands over the years. A new documentary titled Elizabeth at 95, The Invincible Queen, which premiered on True Royalty TV on April 21st to mark the queen's birthday, took a look inside the firm. Okay, New research commission uh, for the program revealed that Her Majesty was a bigger global brand than icons from the worlds of politics, business, media, and entertainment, including Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, the Obamas, Kim Kardashian, and Beyonce, Vanity Fair reported. The research also stated that the Queen helped the royal family to become the world's fifth big, biggest corporate brand ahead of brands including Coca-Cola, Nike, and Microsoft. And let me just say this about her. I'm not big into the to Great Britain, you know, to their imperialism and you know, uh, and what they have done to West, in the West to the Western world in terms of race dynamic and, and 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 colonization and stuff like that. But I can respect power. I respect Queen Elizabeth. I, I and I have I've read a lot about their history. Okay, even before the crown, I knew half of that most of the, most of that stuff on the crown already. Right, uh, most of the stuff. It was, the only things was like the personal things, but I knew most of the incidents and things like that. And I just always read and watch, and you know, watched tons of other documentaries on them. And I can respect how she has navigated royalty. You know what I'm saying? That's why I, I mean, even if I don't like necessarily what they do, I can respect the power behind it, right? And, uh, you know, all the things that they have been through, including, you know, uh, the Diana thing, which really would have took them down and everything, to be able to, and there's been a number of other things throughout history, to be able to navigate to where you still are having one of the biggest brands in the world and still one of the most likable rulers, it's pretty deep, right? It's pretty deep, you know. Uh, very interesting, all right? So not saying that I'm all into them, but I'm just saying that I can respect it, right? 
the documentary took a look at how the Queen and Prince Philip, who passed away at 99 on April 9th, protected the Windsor brand at all costs, as well as analyzing how the palace uses its powerful influence behind the scenes to protect its revenues and avoid scrutiny. Now, see, listen, I'm all for understanding how how power moves because you can learn something from that, how they how they protected their brands and everything. And, uh, and you know, listen, I wish, here's the thing, and it's hard to find balance, right, because sometimes, especially rulers, we don't understand how they operate. I wish they would have more heart, less, you know, less um, protecting of brands. But I also understand both the balance of each, and, you know, uh, that's a pretty hard balance to do, Okay. Brand and business experts interviewed uh, in the doc estimate the royal family brand to be worth around $125 billion, with the Queen's personal brand worth around $62 billion, similar to brands such as Coca-Cola, okay? David Hogg, CEO of Brand Finance, shared, the royal family refers to itself as a firm. So when we began analyzing the financial performance of the monarchy, we took the same phase phrase and try to value it as a firm and we estimate the value of the business at about 70 billion which is about a hundred us about usd 100 billion that puts it the most valuable uk brand it's a more valuable brand than shell for example marks for spencer and many of the other uk brands the monarchy brand is through is thought to bring in around 1.7 billion annually for the uk economy now what i will say is this their brand is probably worth even more, but has rulers. They really protect their true value because they don't want you motherfuckers to be protesting and tear their shit down. <laughs> if y'all knew how much they were really worth. <laughs> so I imagine it's even more, okay? Um, even they estimate her personal wealth to be around $400 million. I don't believe that, okay? Uh, this this have a guy, this uh, uh, OBD guy, a lakes and shit name after her. <laughs> African, whole African uh, things named after her. I, I, no, I doubt it. Uh, estates including uh, Balmorial, and they just moved uh, uh, the value of things. That's her personal worth to her individual self, but her her whole family's worth, and she runs that whole brand, that whole firm, that whole thing is worth far, 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 far more, okay? Even far more than I believe what they're telling you on here. <clears throat> they said Nick Bulin, co-founder and editor-in-chief of True Royalty TV, shared, with this documentary, we want to celebrate Her Majesty's birthday and mark Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip's role as the world's longest-standing and most successful CEO and COO partnership who have together built the British monarchy into one of the world's biggest brands and its most famous family firm during nearly 70 years on the throne. Okay? Very interesting that they are referring to them as a CEO and COO of Rand. You know, I was watching a lot of stuff today. Uh, the, the couple of documentaries I was watching on YouTube about um, the way that uh, 
Davos is like Davos has this. Uh, I and, and I just really start listening about Davos's agenda from last year and how they came up with this idea. At, uh, and Davos is this place where all the world leaders meet together, technology leaders, corporate leaders and stuff meet together, and they talk about plans for the future. And one of the things, the things from this, like, it's the 2020 Davos was that, or the one that just recently, the one that recently happened, was that they feel like, you know, they saw as how people were saying they see brands and stuff, like, you know, countries has, and leaders of countries might be, more seen as CEOs and COOs, but the most interesting thing I found was the title of their their uh, agenda this year, or, or last year was, uh, "You will own nothing and be happy." And this world they're envisioning where nobody owns anything, and but everything's given. Now you know that's a fucking some bullshit because if somebody gonna own something, where all the shit go? Who who's in charge of all the shit? So it's never nobody owns nothing. So you, it means that a few, a lot of wealth will go to the hands of a few, and we supposed to trust, trust it. And that it was scary as shit. And they and they do these things. They're thinking these things all in the name of trying to help. Oh my god. This is just a scary world. If we don't wake up, oh, my God, this is scary. I mean, thinking that you may not own anything, but you just everything is given to you, like, sort of by the government or anything, and you live happily. Anything you want, the government hands you. I don't like that shit because I don't trust the government like that. So that that is that is a very crazy thing. I was thinking about that when they were talking about uh her brands and different things like that. Um, let's see, what's the next thing here? Uh, I, the Makai Makaya uh, Bryant case, and I hope I'm saying the name right. Uh, this week, after Derek Chevron uh, Chevron got um, uh, Chauvin, whatever his name is, got uh, convicted or uh, guilty on all accounts. And listen, I was not surprised by that verdict because let me tell you why I wasn't surprised. Because when it first happened. I, I watch Fox News sometimes. I was on Fox News, and even Fox News was going, damn. Like, no, that was, I mean, they was trying to find some reason, but they couldn't even find, justify him standing on that man's neck for nine minutes. Now, you know if they can't justify that fucking Fox. <laughs> and, um, you know, you have police officers even going, ooh. Like, you know, when you saw that, no, the verdict was not going to be a surprise that they were going to be found guilty because most people thought that was too too fucking much. Nine minutes is ridiculous. You can't deny that you are trying to, that you are killing someone, okay? So I thought this was obvious. The only thing I wondered why is why the jury took 10 hours. Shit, it should have took their asses 10 minutes. <laughs> Derek Chauvin, yeah. It, they should have they they took them 10 minutes to convict his ass. Mm-hmm. Um, now, do I think he's going to serve a lot of time? I think they're going to throw the book at him for the purpose of the public. But I think has the public loses touch in this very technology-driven, fast-paced world, blink and they're on, you're on to another story world, he'll be out in about four to five years. Because y'all won't be paying attention. They'll put it as a blurb across the screen. 
Derek Chauvin was released today for good behavior. A few people are upset. You'll see how Chauvin. That don't make no sense because they already set it up. Like Maxine Waters, dumb. Listen, I, I, I like I can respect Maxine's Waters history in the Senate, early history. Okay, not recent, most recent. For early history, she's been there too long, and her and a lot of congressmen have been there too long. What's and that seems like eighty four. I mean, not not the age is the problem. The, the problem isn't her age. The problem is that she's been there too long, and I'm sure she's compromised. And like this week, she said something like a little bit before the the case was uh, about to come out. She was talking about something about confrontation or something. She said something that would, could be perceived as tainting the jury, and I'm going to probably talk about that a little later on into the show if I have time. But it was just weird to do because it sets them up for some appeal shit. And I'm like, what the fuck? Hey, shut the fuck up. No offense, ma'am. <laughs> My elder. Maybe, the truth I really want to tell her is, Sit your ass down. It's time to resign. Because then she said the thing, thinking she's being effective, but she wasn't being effective. She actually helped him set himself up for appeal. But we'll talk that. It could say he could use that as an appeal, her speaking, because she's a U.S. congressman, you know. So we're going to talk about that probably a little bit later on. But I was not surprised uh, at all by the Derek Chauvin uh, verdict, okay? Micaiah um, Bryan, okay? This was a tragic, tragic story. Very tragic. When I say tragic, I mean, my heart goes out to the family. I mean, it's that, you know what I'm saying? Losing a baby at 16 years old, it's like, you know, come on. You know, she looked like she was really, you know, she looked like she was a beautiful child, okay? Uh, however, let's talk about this, okay? This is according to WK. YC says uh, additional body cam footage is being released. Family of Micaiah Bryant seeks answers after fatal shooting by Columbus police. Okay, while Columbus City uh, leaders had a briefing on Wednesday to show more body cam footage and play the 911 calls leading up to the fatal shooting of 16-year-old by police, the mother of Micaiah Bryant is understandably hurting and desperate for answers. I don't know all the details about what happened here today. Tuesday, but it needs to stop. Policies and procedures need to be in effect, said Paul Bryant. I'm hurt and I want answers. Officers were called to the 3100 block of Legion Lane, North Chatterton Road, uh, just after 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday for a disturbance. According to inter, uh, Interim Chief Michael Woods, a caller reported females were trying to stab them, okay? A dispatcher tried to obtain more information but was unable to before the call was disconnected. In the additional body cam footage released Wednesday, the scene of the incident was shown from a different perspective as an officer approached a driveway with a girl in black swinging a knife. The officer identified as Columbus police officials, uh, police by, by Columbus police officials as Nicholas Reardon shouts for her to get down before firing four shots. Reardon joined the police force in December 2019. Additional cruiser camera footage is expected to be released no later than Thursday. Kevin Davis, a 39-year-old law enforcement veteran who now serves as a court-certified use of force expert, analyzed the body cam footage. Davis sees just cause for the officer to protect the other woman. Okay. 
what we have in this case is a perception of a deadly threat and a response a response by the officer with a deadly force to stop it, okay, says Davis. Based on what we know at this point, I say that was a reasonable decision. He added a taser or other method to try and stop the incident may have re- resulted in the other woman getting killed. I'd love to say that we we could uh, shoot the knife out of her hand or shoot her in the leg, but those things just aren't realistic under the circumstances where the officer is shooting to save a life, Davis says. Columbus Mayor Andrew Gerther addressed the incident remarks on Wednesday, including the need for transparency. transparency. There was a lot of things being said and shared out in the community that may or may not have been consistent with what have we have seen with our own eyes, says Gerther. Ginther, I think critically. I think critically during a time of crisis, it's very important to be as transparent and responsible as possible. Other local leaders are asking the public to remain calm as the investigation moves forward. I understand the outrage and the emotion around this incident. A teenage girl is dead, and she's dead at the hands of a police officer. Under any circumstances, that is a horrendous tragedy, said the safety director, Ned Pettis. I plead with the community, let us not rush to judgment, okay? Listen, let's talk about this. I saw the video camera, and I feel so terrible for the young lady. Um, I do believe that officers... Listen, this is what, and this is what's hard for the idiot. It's like today in this world, we got two extremes in the news. We got the extreme liberal side and the extreme conservative side. And I think that's done on purpose to make people feel there is nowhere to fit. You either are extreme, one extreme, or the other extreme. But most people and most human beings are middle ground and have a lot of a little, lot of things, okay? Um People don't understand when I listen to Fox a lot of times they talk about these things, talking about where, where's the racism and all that stuff. What we don't understand, I think, and a lot of white people don't understand about racism is racism isn't just a prejudice form of racism, meaning where you call people the N-word or you, uh, or you write out attack people's race and stuff like that. They know this, most of them, but they try to act like they don't know this. Uh, a lot of white conservatives try to act like they don't know this. They'll be going, where's the racism? But what racism is, is a not when we talk about institutionalized racism that runs through the blood of America, it's not so in your face. Because over the years since the 60s and 70s, America has learned how to adjust itself and make policies that still protect the dominant culture while still leaving uh, a culture that was enslaved and hurt by the many, many generations of slavery, okay, uh, out of the fold, okay? And they can't see that race, so they act like they can't see that race. and like, well, it's been, I mean, we, how are we racist? I mean, the cop didn't see any uh, rape color when he came up. He saved a black girl's life. What racism does is reinforce a narrative about a group of people, especially if you the narrative on TV is that these people are, you know, are in their their neighborhoods are crime ridden. Uh, they're uh, the people in these neighborhoods are thugs. They're bad. They're this and that, and you get this reinforcement of stereotypes 
and fears and stuff that even work in the head of police officers who may not really have right out, um, who don't think they're racist, but who are influenced by the racism culture and do carry a little bit maybe of racism. That's why I say cops should always be dealing with training, uh, mental things and everything because of the job they do and seeing where they are standing in terms of diversity and stuff like that because they cops are here to protect and serve, okay, protect and serve. They have a very important job. They stand as uh, the first line of defense for justice, okay, and that is a very spiritual job. It's a leadership job. So they have to be, they should be humble, and they should be always, it's a very important job where you should be trained at and everything, okay? But a lot of times, a lot of these states are not training cops. They're they're putting them out there, uh, leaving them to fend in these neighborhoods with these reinforced stereotypes in the back of their head, right? So if there had been two blonde girls fighting, right, two white blonde girls fighting, I suspect it may have possibly been a different outcome because what's reinforced into uh, people, Americans' heads about the idea of black and white, even in black children's heads, because, you know, they used to do this little um, test where they asked black kids, what's the best doll, the black doll or the white doll? And they often pick the white doll, and they say the black doll was bad, and they say all this stuff. Little children being picking up the reinforcing stereotypes put on by the media and that's been the undercurrent in American society forever, Hollywood, all kinds of things, okay? So let alone if children are affected, you know adults are affected. So when you come up to a scene where you're seeing black women fighting, especially one with a knife, and you all this in the back of your head about what this group is, or what you've been told what this group is, you might be less... Um, Less creative with, about how you handle your uh, handle these types of situations. You might be less patient about how you handle these situations, and you come and you start to think shots first, okay? And that sometimes can come from a place of cops who don't think they're prejudiced, who who may be having some form of stereotypes and prejudice in, within themselves, okay? So, in this situation. Uh, I believe it probably may have, it could have been different. I don't know that for sure. Nobody does. If it would have been a white person, my suspicion is because of the type of society we live in and what I just described, it probably could have been. But this cop was coming up in, in the situation he felt was dangerous for the other person, and she did have a knife, and she looked like he was about to swing it. I don't really know if he had time. And I know black people don't like to hear that, and we got to we got to quit getting emotional. That's one of our things. Our, one of our problems is that we're too emotional. We must be water. Black folks must be water signs. <laughs> we must be the group that's a water sign. But we get too emotional and don't look at things sometimes from a logic position. You know what I'm saying? And that's one of the things that hurts us. Um, this will be hard to prove that this was this was. Uh, race related and I, I even though I do believe that 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 society will be better off understanding how racism has affected mindsets and how it's affected stereotypes and ideas about black people in America that reinforce these ideas that black lives don't matter right so um 
even though I think that I don't, I do, don't believe cops have very hard jobs. And this isn't to, and I don't want to, don't, you know, I know some black people be like, you, you don't be up here cooning. I'm not cooning. You know, I'm the last person to coon, but I'm a, also a human being. And humanity, we all are humans, black, white, pink, purple, yellow, green, whatever, okay? And I can look at the other side. I can put myself in the other side's shoes because you, you aren't intelligent if you don't do that. Like if you say, oh, well, I just know these white folks out here. No, you have to be able to see it from both sides to understand the spectrum of things, right? And even though we know racism is very real and white supremacy is very real and white supremacy does have a plan now that is graduating into eugenics, but that's another story for another day. What we experience as black people is real, but in this case, this was, it was a, there's nothing we can prove here, and although it's a tragic, a very tragic, tragic thing, this cop might be, we don't know, maybe he's questioning himself tonight too, like going, damn, like, why did I shoot that good, could I have jumped? He may be asking himself several questions, we don't know, could I have done that better? Could have not shot her. Could have not. Cops are in strict, uh, uh, hardcore situations sometimes daily. Okay, depending on what city and what part of the area, what part, or what parts of uh, things they in. And this isn't to take up for cops because we do know. I have seen uh, where prejudiced cops and race soldiers, a whole lot of race soldiers, up there in the police departments, and a lot of people know it. Okay. However. There are a lot of people who are good cops, right, and they struggle with these decisions. They struggle when they've had to shoot somebody or they've had to kill somebody, or maybe they don't. And if we can't figure that out, if we can't see that on the surface and that's something we can't prove in court, then that's something we just going to have to, you know, hope spiritually that he they dealt they are dealt with, like, you know, because it's, because it has to be proven on a court of law. And to me, this type of case is going to be hard to prove in a court of law that he did this on purpose, okay? So, and he did this because of race, you know. It's going to be hard to prove, even though we know those factors exist. And they should be addressed. And, and police police should use situations like this to address better ways of dealing with those type of things. Why can't you shoot somebody in the hand when you come up? Why can't they be trained to shoot somebody in the leg or something like that? You know what I'm saying? If they can. You know, so uh um this is a very sad case, a very tragic one, but I do believe the other person's from the video that I seen it looked like the other person's life was in danger, and this cop walked into a mess. And I saw a lot of grown-ass people standing around, too. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but it looked like it was some grown-ass people out there watching that fight or standing around. What the hell? So nobody hold, nobody back, nobody trying to grab nobody. I get it, whatever. But I'm just saying the cops are called to that that situation, and it looks like chaos is going on, right? And so... Things like this happen, and I don't know whether he meant to do it. If he's a race soldier hiding and he meant to come up there and start popping off, that's something we cannot prove because it just didn't look like that. And so it's um, it's an unfortunate tragedy, and that's just how I feel about it. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel sorry for her family and everything, but 
You know, this is something that I don't think, um, I think it can be used to to uh, press the issue of police reform as far as training goes and uh, mental, uh, checking mental stability, things like that, yes. But as far as convicting someone, I don't think you can do that, okay? Uh, and then this week I heard, too, another thing. I heard people like Candace Owens, and sometimes I like things that Candace says. Sometimes I don't. But Candace Owens has no empathy. I don't know if she's just out here trying to make money or what. She says some intelligent things. But to go on and start talking about George Floyd's background, as if he doesn't, as if he, because he's had such a hideous background, he didn't, he deserved to be treated that way. And listen, I feel like this, that in life, our decisions drive us to certain points in our lives. Yes, I believe that George Floyd's life situations, poverty, impoverishment and everything, and his own choices led him that day to Derek Chauvin, okay? And I also believe, on the other end, Derek Chauvin's own choices and bad ideas led him to him, right? And we get to sit here, and that's a whole other story I have to break down for y'all how I think life works and stuff when we're moving in certain types of energies. But to come on and be just a cold-hearted Person and just be talking about you know they, he was a drug addict he was this and that okay okay but did he deserve to die that way bitch did he deserve to die that way and what the fuck if you have you been so perfect your whole life is it just by God's grace that you getting to talk on Fox News and Hannity and everybody else have you been so perfect like seriously yes there are a lot of things that he should not have done yes his choices. Bad choices and bad decisions led him that day to that 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 drugstore. Led him that day to the the whole situation. However, it still he still did not deserve somebody's foot on his fucking neck for nine minutes. So there's no sense in talking about whatever the, the drug thing. We can use that as people, his life as how people can live better and how we can. You know, we we need to make better choices, but to be be saying to be making that a cause is somebody you know they did. I don't understand what she's doing. I don't understand why she keeps doing that. It's just crazy though to me. I just sideboard. That was a sideboard. But uh, yeah, this young lady is very sad. It's a sad situation that happened, and um, yeah. It, it it it's not one I think can be proven. And let me tell y'all something about these celebrities, okay? Celebrities immediately start posting pictures of Micaiah Bryan. I'm not talking about all celebrities who did it, but I'm talking about a lot of them. Half of them never know the situations. Half of them just they all follow the allegiance with each other because it's some sort of thing. I don't know what's going on with them, but they if if the, if the most popular group of celebrities believe it, then they all follow. Most of them all follow suit. A lot of times they don't, they like the stepper wise I said. They don't have a brain. They're trying to go wherever the consumer or the majority of public is going to fall. They hardly ever have their own opinions, right? They hardly, uh, hardly ever, they, they value what the celebrity culture and celebrity crowd is going towards. And I get that because they want checks, and I, and I can respect that. I ain't, I ain't mad at that. However, you cannot make your gauge or barometer on whether a situation is right or not by watching these fucking celebrities, okay? They were they they were all rough, follow each other off a cliff. So you know, 
just because you see a celebrity post it up, don't necessarily believe that, okay? Don't necessarily believe what you see on that situation. I mean, or just agree with it because your favorite celebrity agrees with it, okay? And sometimes they be loud and wrong. <laughs> okay? So, but prayers for this girl's family in a very sad situation, very a, a, a tragic event. She's only 16 and uh, just, just sad on all levels, okay? And even sad for the cop because he has to live with that. He has to live that he shot a 16-year-old. And I know that's a heavy burden, whether he was in the right or not. It's still a heavy burden to carry, okay? It's just a heavy one. Um, let's talk about Amazon right now, okay? And it's end time stuff, okay? That I told y'all, I told y'all was getting ready to start happening. The Bible be right, right? The Bible like right out in these streets. Lord, it is it's the truth, right? Okay. Amazon is set to launch a this is according to the Hill dot com. It says Amazon is set to launch a launch pay by palm technology at Whole Foods grocery store near its headquarters in Seattle on Wednesday, allowing customers to make purchases without ever pulling out their payment method. With the technology, shoppers are able to upload scan the a scan of of the palm of their hands and connected to credit card or the Amazon account. They are then able to scan their hands and check out in place of providing physical payment, the Associated Press reported. Amazon first launched its Amazon One technology, which allows for pay by palm purchases last year. At the time, technology was only used in some of its cashier list stores, the AP noted. Amazon says the technology could be applied at office buildings, stadiums, and other retailers. Remember, I told you there's already a company in Wisconsin, they showed it on Good Morning America, who've already inserted chips into their hands, and they already use it to get in their offices, to get uh, to pay for uh, food at the vending machine, all kind of shit, okay? They already got a chip in their hands, okay? And I told y'all about my years ago, the man who created, he was one of the creators of the baby chip, came to our church and told us, I, it was like 20-some years ago, okay, and and told us, that, you know, he had become a Christian and everything, and he was telling us about the technology they had built that this chip, and he was saying that that's, you know, that when they start wanting to use the chip to go towards the caste of society and everything, how he began to think differently, how he had to come out and minister to people. Because, listen, I don't, a lot of y'all don't know what the end times. A lot of y'all are like, what you talk about? What, you, what they mean about the, the apocalypse? A lot of people. Can I? I'm gonna give y'all a brief little historical idea of the church's idea, just the Christian church's idea of the end times. Okay, if you've ever seen Thief in the Night or the Left Behind series with Kirk Cameron and all that stuff, it can give you a little bit of an idea. It's scary as hell. Okay. But it's real, okay. A lot of Christians believe they're either post-tribulationists, meaning that uh, they are pre-trib. Uh, Post-tribulation, like a Pat Robertson, believes that the Christian church has to go through uh, this period called the tribulation period, and that's where the tribulation period is a seven-year period where this 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 political figure who's known as the Antichrist comes to power and he begins to rule the world by has like a one world order and one of the things he requires is a is a chip in the 
forehead and the hand, right? You can neither buy nor sell, the Bible talks about, right? So, um, and the Bible says that even before the Antichrist appears, the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world, right? I'm kind of preaching to y'all a little bit, but I'm just trying to explain to y'all the Christian church theory surrounding uh, the end times, okay? Now, the idea is that one day, that the world is already being set up for the Antichrist to take power. Because remember, one of the things that I always say, you know what I say? And I know we talk about church, but I always say it on here. So I'm, you know, y'all know I got a cuss word, but I always say when they, when you try to create a one world government and where all the world comes together and try to live in harmony, it's always one what motherfucker who thinks he wanna, he wants to rule it all. <laughs> Right, so this is sort of like what the Antichrist will do. Okay, the Bible says there's ten uh, nations that he will rule, right, and he will have great power over them. Okay, and there's this, uh, this, it's it's a really fascinating. The end times are very fascinating because we, you know, if you're in the Christian church, this is exciting for you to hear these things because people used to laugh at Christians telling them people they're gonna require you to put a chip in a hand and there's going to be a cast of society someday, people laugh. Now, I used to be in this highly functioning political, um, uh, oh, what was it, uh, political theory class I used to have. And I remember one day we were talking about all this technology and stuff like that. And I remember after a class, one of my, my teachers, this, this guy who taught it, he says, hey, i got to ask you, he said, how do you know so much about like, you know, uh, politics, the future of it, globalism and stuff like that. I said, well, not only do I read on that, said, but, you know, the Bible kind of talks about globalism. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, you know, I was telling him the, the whole story of, you know, and the idea of the the Christian church believes this, that the, the new world order will ex- ex- exactly do the opposite. It will uh, actually be a seat for a world ruler to come through who will be more wicked than anything everybody's ever seen. You will like him at first, but then you, you he'll look like he's a great utopian leader, but then he's going to look like he ain't about it, he ain't, you ain't going to like him too much, <laughs> right? And um, it's just a very interesting thing that now we're seeing this technology, we're seeing the, this ideas of great reset, this idea of uh, of people not owning things and everything. These are all the things that the church has talked about for years, Who these preachers who preach end-time theory. So um, listen, if you guys ever get a chance, you guys should listen to some, get, get, hey, get, get some, uh, get, you can look at, I think Al Lindsay has the, they have the series, the Left Behind series, very interesting series, or, um you know, the old movie Left Beyond or whatever. But it's interesting, the thought, the Christian thought, and to see this kind of thing happening, right? You know, it's it's really interesting, okay? But it says, experts have raised concerns surrounding the privacy of technology that uses face or palm scans, noting that there is a risk of data being hacked and stolen. Amazon pushed back on those concerns, saying that the images of palms are securely stored on this cloud, and users have the ability to ask that their information be deleted at any time, okay, and you know, here is the thing, there is going to be more, I, I remember talking about uh, Alibaba on here, and he was saying, and this one, the guy who kind of owns, I think he owns the version of Amazon in China, he said that within a few years, China will be a total cashless society, and I think we're going to head that way too, okay, 
And so cash in society, uh, and I was listening to this program today where they talked about data being, and I've talked about this on the show too, that no longer remember all was the currency of the United States before it was the currency of the world, right? But now all isn't the big dog anymore. It's data. Information about us. It's the new currency, right? And it is a very uh, interesting Crazy kind of 1984ish George Orwellian Christian in times moves we're making we're moving into right very very scary right? <laughs> when I read stuff like this okay I'm like what I'm always tripped out of stuff like that always right all right let's move on to Dr Dre child Dr Dre and Nicole they finally agreeing on something like I said. That they they want to be legally separated. <laughs> I mean, legally single. Okay, so they uh, <laughs> uh, while their divorce is going through, uh, and this is according to uh, Yahoo.com. It says, uh, Dr. Dre and the Beat and his estranged wife Nicole Young will both soon be illegally single. The blast reports that legal documents show the former couple has requested that a California judge sign off on the termination of their marriage. It appears Young did not have an issue with Dre wanting to uh, bifurcate the material of the marital uh, status through his method, through this method. So while their marriage would be over, their divorce case is still ongoing, at least until they come to an agreement on their finances and how to split up Dr. Dre's $800 million, okay? However, their marriage isn't legally over until a judge signs off on it, which will reportedly happen in July. Once that transpires, they're able to remarry if they so choose, though it doesn't seem like that in the car, that's in the cards for either party right now. Last month, Dre made a similar request to a judge asking to be given the single status. Uh, the couple was married for 24 years when Young filed for divorce in July 2020. And, Chad, it's been just a messy, mess, mess, mess. <laughs> but if I would, Nicole, this is, this is interesting that you are allowing, you're not pushing back on this. Because I would feel like that's the part of the, the your strategy thing is to keep him tied up in it until he, he comes clean. But, you know... <laughs> He comes with the cash, but very interesting. It's a, it's, it's a very interesting. I, they both could. They both like they they ready to get out of that shit. <laughs> so very interesting about Dr. Dre and Nicole Young. Okay, poor Dre. Dre ain't got it yet. Dre, Dre don't want. Dre's still out here trying to fight in these streets. Okay. Um, let's see what else were we supposed to talk about. Uh, Kim credit. We're gonna talk about that when we come back on break, okay? Uh, let's. We'll talk about Kanye and Kim, okay? Kim Kardashian, y'all out here in these streets. I don't know if Chris is putting out these articles or Kim's people or whatever putting out these articles that all these celebrities is trying to court Kim and Kim is and, and Arabs and all this. Girl, Kim got four kids by Kanye West, okay? Kanye West is gonna be a troublesome baby daddy, okay? Kim, uh, you, I don't know if Kim going to pull a high-value man like Kanye again. She going to pull another dude, but probably not a Kanye. I, I mean, just don't, don't be lying out here in these streets about Don't nobody be wanting to be. And them kids is young, too. Shit, they all up under 10 years old. What does what that? They all up under 10 or 11 years old? Hell no. Nobody, Kim, 
Girl, bye. Ain't nobody try checking for you like that. If they are, they might be trying to wind and you know and get some, but they ain't. I don't. I don't see too many of them wiping you up. Unless they, it's a guy who already has kids, who's a big CEO, and he has young children too, and are something he wants to remarry or something like that too with his young kids. Y'all have the ready bunch. But other than that, no, I don't see people checking for Kim like that. I know they're trying to sell that off, but we will talk about that and more when we uh, get back. We talk about also Kanye West saying he's not liking. Allegedly, Kanye West is bothered by the public perception that Kim Kardashian left him. No, Kanye. Kanye, everybody tried to warn you. It's all on you, buddy. It's all on you. So we're going to talk about that, and let's see what else we got. Um, the human-monkey hybrid. We've got to talk about that. Oh, we got to talk about somebody out here trying to copyright dances, okay? Please. Y'all, y'all crazy. Y'all, y'all have a lot. Y'all lost y'all mind. We got that and a whole lot more uh, to talk about when I get back on the CC show. I'm gonna try. And hopefully, I think we could, we might be able to get up out of here early, child. I think I I think I did it good this time. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So uh, meanwhile, let me get y'all. Uh, what y'all gonna be listening to right now? <laughs> okay, let's uh, listen to some Confunction Love Train. It's the Carlotta Chatwood Show. I'll be back in a moment.
for the very best in government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio. All right, yeah, I was just trying to come up with uh, the rest of the story, put the little stories of Gal. Yeah, I know there's some. I don't know how it's late night, child. I'm trying to get these stories up. All right, let's talk about Kim Kardashian, okay, out here putting out these uh, crazy-ass stories about everybody trying to date her. <laughs> Chris, you over the top. Stop. Stop the machine. Come on now. Y'all, y'all be out here doing the most. <laughs> but it says Kim Kardashian, this is according to page six, okay? Quoted by Royals, Billionaires, and A-Listers, okay, um, amid divorce, they're saying. They're saying Kim Kardashian is earning the title of most eligible eligible, eligible billionaire bachelorette. Okay, I question billionaire. Following her split from Kanye West, page six has learned. A source told us that uh, keeping up uh, KKW beauty, uh, keeping up with the Kardashian beauty uh CEO is being courted by the cream of the crop potential suitors. Okay. People are reaching out through mutual friends and people that she's worked with to set her up with everyone from royal family members. Girl, bye. Ain't nobody in no <laughs> To A-list actors, to athletes, to billionaires, to billionaire CEOs, the source said. Adding people are also trying to reach out to her via DM. Although Kardashian 40 is being flooded with a bevy of dating options, we're told that the soon-to-be single mom is not looking for anyone right now. She's not looking to jump into anything, but is keeping an open mind. <sighs> told us that Kardashian is a strange husband. Kanye West wants to date an artist in his next chapter of life. Keeping up with the Kardashian story is not on the hunt to date anyone in specific here. I thought that Kanye's dream is Beyonce. <laughs> he wants a Beyonce in his life. The insider said the reality star would prefer for her next relationship to just happen organically, although there are certain characteristics she wants in her next partner. The qualities most important to her are someone who values family, supportive, fun, romantic, enjoys the simple things, and is also hardworking. Okay, you know what, Kim? Look at Courtney. Look at Courtney. Look at Courtney. Let me tell you why you don't look at Courtney. You might get a step up from what Courtney. Courtney's at the rocker guy. Okay, you might get a couple steps up. Listen, I don't really believe most men are one of going to be one to be bottled with Kanye. And you have like a whole village. Like you don't have one or two kids. You got like four kids with Kanye. One, two, three. And they all under the age of 10. Girl, she Ain't nobody checking for your ass like they was pre-Kanye, okay? Um, you know, I think that there is, there is going to be a certain reality to Kim. Kim is going to get people who are wanting to date her, but they're not going to be wanting to marry her, I don't think. And if she does get a really high-value person or something like Kanye to date her, he's probably already got children himself. And like I said, it'll be a Brady Bunch type of thing. But Kim is trying to act like that her that her value is still the same as a single woman 
as as a single woman with no kids, as it was a sing, as it you know now with a single woman with kids, and that doesn't mean her value isn't more. It just means your dating choices gets a lot more uh, limited, and meaning that you now ha- carry with you children, and you have to be limited in the type of men you date. She and and a lot of the men, you know, are not going to be checking for that situation. Sex. And I think there's whoever is selling these articles out here is wanting her, wanting somebody to believe that she's still as much as a commodity. She's still uh, uh, as much as a commodity has the single Kim Kardashian post, I mean, pre-Kanye as she is now. No, and that is partly why she's trying to change up her image and trying to take, look like, which today she released some photographs, which was complete Evie just idiot-like photographs of her in a bikini studying. I'm like, bitch, who's studying with a photographer nearby? I mean, come on, stop it. (laughs) For the bar, right? But I think that Kim, she's trying, she's still in delusion about that part of herself, that that woman beforehand, she's still grappling with that that pre-Kanye Kim versus the now- mother of four, Kim, who's still very beautiful and still very fit and everything, but you ha- you can't just be a bimbo and get the dudes anymore. Now you have to show, I guess your company shows some high intelligence, but now you got four children, too, to, for them to deal with. So it is a very a different world for her. I'm not sure there's not going to be a lot of men out here that want to sex her. She'll get plenty of that. I'm talking about people who want to wife you. Uh, the the pickings will be different. There'll be more. It'll be more limited because of now you are a mother of four. That doesn't mean she can't get a great guy, uh, a guy with. But I'm just saying that it is not going to be post what she did. What was before. And that is part. She knows that. That's partly why she's been trying to work on things like the bar and trying to change her image to a more intelligent type of person. Which you know, she it's going to be hard because you know I don't even know if they was checking for her too much in marriage before. You know, Kanye was really like a really high, like the the biggest dude she dated, right? Because before it was Chris Humphries. It's kind of fucked that up, and then she. It was before that. It was uh, uh, Reggie Bush, which is probably the second person to Kanye. Fuck that up. I mean, so I don't know if men was checking for her like that to marry anyway, because maybe of the energy she was giving off. So she can't give this same single girl energy. Kind of okay. Uh, I'm so hot and all that. So you can't get that. You can't get that energy off at 40 with four kids. You can be youthful and still beautiful and everything, but there has to be a sense of growth in you. You know, because now you come with baggage. So it can't be just, oh, she's fine and she's popping and she looks good. Now you come with the baggage of Kanye West, even though you come with a, a value, a company that is valued at a billion dollars. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but a company that is valued at a billion dollars and a very big brand 
the Kardashians, and you head up that brand, you still come with a lot of baggage for a man who is doing his thing, who don't have no kids, unless he's somebody like a van hunt, a van dude on with <laughs> I can see him, but that's on top that type of dude. But it's it's gonna be very hard for them to pick you. Like say for instance, I can see if if say for instance and Beehive don't get me mad at me right here for this, but just say for instance, Jay Z and Beyonce broke up. That, we don't never we don't never want that for them, okay? But let me just say, if Jay Z was single right now, he's got three underage kids. Get him with Kim Kardashian. I wouldn't see that as far fetched because uh, she has underage kids and he does too. So, but still, would he really want to do that? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I already got a family. You know, even though I'm not married no more. If she get, she could get a dude, maybe on that level with younger kids, but I don't know if men would really want to go for that because they already have their feeling to add more of a responsibility. You probably had to be something really special, and there is nothing remotely special about Kim Kardashian uh, besides her great looks and her body, but she's come, this image that she's had has been very... Dramatic, and her family looks dramatic too. Okay, so she, I think that at forty plus, the best thing that Kim could be doing right now is working on being taken seriously as a woman and a single woman, and stop them from putting out idiotic articles about a-listers and all kind of stuff, trying to date you, and more uh, try to go on a journey with yourself, with your children, and everything. Look like you deeper and not still the shallow person post your family, I mean, pre your family, because now you have a family. So if, you know, if bitch, you're still back there acting like Kim Kardashian that started, you know, that started on keeping up with the Kardashians and there hasn't been any growth and maturity, I'm not saying you can't be youthful and fine and beautiful, but any growth and maturity in that and you're still out here acting like you're not as smart as you seem, Nobody's gonna, nobody gonna want to deal with that shit. That's why Kanye's ass is. This is, and this is another thing about Kim Kardashian. She is on her third. No, what is it? Damon Thomas, Chris Humphreys, and what? And 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 uh, Kanye. So this is her third failed marriage, all under all under forty. Three failed marriages with four children by a rapper who is a lot of who who makes a who has billions of dollars and who can be crazy as fuck. <laughs> I mean that's that's a lot of baggage to if you want people to believe they coming at you like that, uh maybe to sleep with you, but I don't know they coming at you to commit for to you. And I think that Kim has to be very realistic. That doesn't mean she can't get a great guy, but she does really need to reconsider how she uh, reinvents herself now at this time because she needs, she's in need of re, re, reinventing herself. You can't be sitting out here studying in a bikini and expect people to take you seriously. People are like, bitch, you ain't studying with the photography there. Come on, stop it just looks like typical Kardashian behavior from 10 years ago. 
and you now are a mother with four kids. That don't mean you can't be out in your bikini having fun and looking good, but not while you're studying. Like, until you're studying, where, you, where is your jogging suits or something, something nice? Like, look like you're studying, something comfortable. Maybe she thinks the bikini comfortable, but it looks, it just looks a little crazy for a mother. For, I'm just saying. I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. But Kim, please, stop the, stop the foolishness. <laughs> okay, uh, now let's go to Kanye West. What they say about uh, Kanye West about here? He's worried about. Uh... Okay, insiders claim. Let's see what this is. Insiders claim Kanye West is super annoyed. People think Kim Kardashian initiated the divorce. And I do believe that people are trying to put this out there on Kanye. Uh, like Christy Teigen came on and said, oh, she did. I did. She can't. People are turning against Kanye because Kanye has little, you know, he's not going with the crew, the regular celebrity crew. He's kind of being out there and to himself a little bit. So, uh, you know, yeah, I believe that Kim had to do with, deal with some crazy stuff, but she knew what the fuck she was getting into when she got into it. Uh, I think she knew the price. I don't think Kim was – I think she didn't, wasn't aware how great a price it was, but I think she understood, okay? But this is according to com. It says, for her page six, the source post to the rapper says, Ye is super annoyed that the story is being constantly presented and has her divorcing him, noting that Kardashian's family's huge uh, spin machine. According to the insider, actually it was him saying for a year that they have nothing in common except the kids, and he wanted out, the source said. She pulled all the stops to save the marriage. The source claims Kanye wanted his former porn star wife to uh, first fi- uh, to file first in order to give her dignity. <laughs> that sounds like some shit Kanye was saying. <laughs> Back in July, the hip-hop store uh, mentioned separating from Kim in a series of tweets in which he also slammed her mother, Chris uh, Jenner, calling her Chris John. <laughs> I've been trying to get divorced since Kim met this Meek at the water for prison reform, he wrote. Meek is my man and was and was respectful. That's my dog. Kim was out of line. Last week, we reported that West was have responded to the divorce papers that Kardashian filed in February. According to the legal uh, docs obtained by People.com, Yeezy requests joint legal and physical custody of the four children, okay? Um, so they're saying also that... Uh, Kanye took his time because he was holding out hope that he could fix things. The source close to the rapper revealed, clearly that's not happening, and he's finally accepted his inner circle, his inner uh, circle urged him to hire a good lawyer and settle this once and for all. And thankfully, he finally listened to reason. Okay, let me just say this. Kanye, you were warned. I think Kanye had a fantasy of being with someone where he could be like a kind of like Jay-Z and Beyonce type of thing. Um, I think Kanye might have had the girl and he let her go, which was that Alexis girl. I think he, he she wasn't glamorous, glamorous enough for him, but I think he misconstrued that one probably. I mean, maybe, you know. Uh, Kanye definitely needs a girl who has time to handle the 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 bipolarism or the Gemini thing. Because <laughs> being with a Gemini along, I mean, he doesn't have to be bipolar. A Gemini is just naturally bipolar. 
And you would think the Libra would be able, because a lot of times people say Libras and Geminis go good together. But the whole thing is that it depends on what's in the chart, right? So it depends on what is in the chart. Kim, the Kardashians are almost too much stimuli for for uh, for uh, uh, Kanye. You know, it's too much for his, his Geminian mate. I mean, it's almost too much. Uh, and I think that Geminis tend to be, not all Geminis, but sometimes they tend to misconstrue what's good for them and what's not. And I think Kanye thought this was going to be good for him, and he thought that he was going to get something different. And he did not get anything different. It is what it, it is. What it is. The Kardashians are what they are. It is. It is a brand. It is a, a reality TV show. And a guy who has such a sensitive, sensitive things going on, such as mental illness and things like that, I don't think needs to be with a brand. I'm not calling the Kardashians themselves this. But they're bringing this, a brand that is as shallow as the Kardashians. The Kardashians have a very shallow brand. And also they carry with them a certain type of energy as women. Now, I almost feel like they uh, they can be very, I don't think they even understand their own power. They can almost be overpowering for and weaken people. So I think, um, and they haven't learned how to use that power it, it, and balance it in, in their dating world. And so um, Kanye is sort of like uh, not only he's a victim of that a little bit, and I think Kim is a victim a little bit of, you know, of Kanye in a sense was the Kardashian's um, stamp of approval. Like everybody after the first two were like, eh, they didn't take them too seriously, even though they were very famous and making a lot of money and had a big old huge brand. It's a brand that people will feel like, eh. But Kanye put a, a different type of stamp on them that made them quite legitimate. And it took but in doing so, it took a lot away from him and it made him less credible. You know, it was sort of like when people when people saw Kanye, you know, and I can often say this is sometimes about Gemini's, right? When Kanye married uh, Kim, I think everybody was kind of like, what? Because if you listen to Kanye's music, yes, you, you get that there's a shallow side to Kanye because he's a gem. He's, it's not that he's shallow. It's just that he's in his, his, uh, his thoughts a lot, right? So... Even though there's a small side that can be very shallow, you still thought of Kanye as a very deep artist, right? In his music, a very uh, and to to marry the Kardashian brand, almost it it, it was so shocking to people that Kanye was interested in this very shallow brand. This guy who who talked about his thoughts about college, his thoughts about um, the music world, his thoughts about uh, business and fashion. He kind of seems like a very deep thinker. So to get with a brand that is very shallow almost seems like a, 
a very strange opposite thing, but Geminis often do shit like that. Like Geminis will, you will see, think of a Gemini, a certain type of Gemini is real intelligent, but they will get with the person that is the most, like you sitting there going, like, like I, thought, I thought she was how deep it's and spiritual or something, and they'll get with the most shallow ass people. <laughs> and maybe that's part of that is because they don't, they think quite logically and not, and they try to stay away from their emotions, some of them. Uh, depends on what's in that chart. Uh, but I see Kanye has that. I think Kanye thought she was good for his brand and did not know when to un- to understand that. Was she good for not only your brand, but was she good for you emotionally? Could you handle what was about to come with them? And I think he wasn't prepared for what came. It, it What actually happened was they actually got legitimized, and he actually got uh the the energy was actually stolen from him in a weird way. He's actually now looks like the nutty one. He actually the perception has changed of him. And it isn't just their publicity machine. I really believe it's the energy they carry with them. And maybe it's something they don't even understand. I mean I I see that for Lamar. Like they were talking about Lamar Odom today was talking about he you can't blame the Kardashians. There's no such thing about the Kardashian quote curse or something. I would say it's not a curse. I'm just saying it's a very um powerful energy that is very vampire like. And that it will suck your energy up if you know like they couldn't do that to Chris Humphreys because Chris Humphreys was a little bit different. So it's very hard for them to suck that life out of him, right? Um, but Kanye, I think they did because Kanye, uh, that energy was not that shallow energy was not so was not very good for a person with the sensitive nature and the sensitive situations going on has Kanye West has going on in his life. He needs a person who, like he said, he wants somebody who's much more artistic. And I wouldn't just say an artist. I say getting someone who is artistically creative and someone who genuinely cares about what happens to him and genuinely cares about him uh, and can speak to him and help him do the right thing, not, you know, because he needs someone that can help stabilize him because he's not balanced and he's all over the place. So hopefully, you know, he can find that creative person. But this, I clearly saw early on that that was not it. And the sad thing is, is I don't think he was recognizing the game and the dream. Sad, but Kanye, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all, okay? Um, what else are we going to talk about? Um, let's talk about the uh, copyrighted dances. I'm going to talk about Maxine Waters first. I think I'm going to talk about uh, copy. These people want to copyright. Um, dances. Let's do that. Um, pull this up. Oh, human. I forgot to talk about the human. Let's talk about this first. We'll talk about the human monkey hybrid first, and then we'll go into. Um, the other story. Let's talk about it because I thought this was an interesting story. Okay, guys. Here we go. Okay, this is, was an interesting story I saw this week. Human-monkey hybrid 
embryo created by joint China-U.S. scientist teams, according to Newsweek.com. It's saying a team of scientists from the U.S., China, and elsewhere have developed embryos that are a mix of human and monkey cells for the first time in history. Okay, last week we was talking about them trying to fucking uh, think about starting a Jurassic Park or saying they can do it. Now these these, these crazy asses that put together some a monkey and a human, they're going to be creating some wild shit out here. <laughs> oh, Lord, how much But they say the embryos, which were detailed on Thursday in the Scientific Journal cell, were created for scientists to uncover new ways to produce organs for people who need, tra- need transplants. They always started off as something for the good, like at Davos. They were talking about how about if we help to, you know, to balance poverty, to stop poverty and everything. We own nothing, but you still will be happy. We just we, we act, the government acts like a big Santa Claus to you and gives you everything you need and everything. But meanwhile, who's owning everything? You know, it's just the crazy. They always start off with a good thing, but it's the it's the craziness behind it. Okay, but it says the researchers injected 25 stem cells from humans known as induced pluripotent stem cells, ISP cells, into embryos from maquite monkeys. The scientists then grew the mixed embryos in test tubes for up to 20 days in order to study how the animal, oh, my Lord, and human cells communicate with one another. Jesus. The idea behind the research is determine whether or not monkeys could eventually be able to grow human organs for transplants. This does not sound good. According to the team of scientists, thousands of people die every year waiting for such transplants. And, you know, it sounds good. You know, it's like people say about strychnine. You know, it's the 10% strychnine to kill you. Uh, in a poison. In recent years, some scientists have been experimenting with injecting human stem cells into sheep, pigs, embryos to see if they could become capable of creating growing human organs. However, that research has been so far unsuccessful, according to NPR. Now the team of scientists have been experimenting with injecting human stem cells. I mean, now the team of scientists choose to experiment with monkeys because they are much more closely related to humans genetically. The researchers, researchers reported that after one day, they were able to detect human cells born in 132 of the injected embryos. Now, what I'm concerned about is what are they creating with a human and a monkey, though? Or will we create some sort of being that's, you know, I don't know. However, most embryos die during the 20-day experiment, and those that survive only retain 47% human cells. That's interesting. According to South China Morning Post, nonetheless, the scientists found that the resource represented a significant process for this type of study. The knowledge will allow us to go back now and try to re-engineer these pathways that are successful for allowing appropriate development of human cells in other animals. Juan Carlos Egipcio Belmont, a professor of the Gene Expression Laboratory of the Salt Institute for Biological Science in La Jolla, California, told NPR, we are very, very excited. Though researchers believe the work to be an important feat, the other scientists have raised concerns that the experiments may be unethical. One concern is that someone could eventually try to take research a step forward and and attempt to create a baby 
from a mixed embryo. Yes, that's my concern. Nobody really wants a monkey walking around with human AIDS and human sperm inside them. Hank really, a Stanford University biothesis who co-wrote an article in the same issue of the journal that critiques the line of research while noting that this particular study was ethically done, according to NPR, because if a monkey with human sperm meets a monkey with human eggs, nobody wants a human embryo inside a monkey's uterus, really added. Christian Matthews, a fellow for science technology at Rice University's Baker Institute, told the news outlet that it would become an ethical concern if human cells became part of the development, developing brain of such a mixed embryo. Should it be regulated as human because it has significant proportion of human cells in it? Or should it be regulated just as an animal or something else, Matthew said? At what point are you taking something and using it for organs when it's actually starting to think and have logic? I think the public is going to be concerned, and I am as well, that we're just kind of pushing forward with science without having a proper conversation about what we should and should not do, she added. I agree. This is Lee Order of the Tantal Tumen University of Science and Technology defended the research Friday, stating that the study was not a work of bad taste, but one of highly practical value, according to the Post. Our goal is not to generate any new organism, any monster, Belmont told NPR. Well, now it ain't. And we are not doing anything like that. We are trying to understand how cells from different organisms communicate with one another. Listen, this is going to go bad. They keep doing this kind of weird-ass shit. It's just crazy, okay? And this is according to, and I bet they have already developed. When they say they're not doing it, that's when you can expect they've done it. Might be some motherfucking monkey talking right now. Like, what's that monkey on the uh, Planet Apes? Hi, good morning today, and all that. Because monkeys already act like humans. That alone, if it's crowds breeded with, you might have some real shit coming up in the future. Told y'all. Now you got Westworld. Y'all gonna have probably a Westworld, the Westworld for hoes. Because I told you, you're trying to keep you make them hoe dolls, <laughs> hoe robots. And then you're gonna have this Jurassic Park maybe someday show up. Lord help me, Jesus. A mess out of these streets, okay? We're gonna have to pray. These people getting nutty, okay? Uh, Maxine Waters, Judge goes Maxine Waters for having uh, uh, comments, some really hard comments. She says she may have given Shavon, Shavon, Derek Shavon, an argument for uh, appeal, abhorrent comments they're saying. After the prosecutor, and this is according to MediaITE.com, uh, it says, after the prosecutors and defense attorneys present their closing arguments in the Derek Shavon uh, trial, the defense moved for a mistrial because of media coverage of the case uh, and comments by Representative Maxine Waters. Judge Peter Cahia acknowledged that Waters might have given the defense an argument to use for her appeal and scolded her for making disrespectful and abhorrent uh, comments on the case, but did not feel the issue rose to the level that would require a mistrial. Defense attorney Eric Nelson argued that the high level of media attention was so profound and so pervasive that it was impossible for a jury not to have been tainted by it. The jury would decide if Chauvin is – they've already done that. Okay, listen, this is definitely probably giving them a chance for an appeal. I said what I thought at the beginning about Maxine Waters. I think she was probably effective the first half of her career. But being in the Senate as long as she's been since the 90s until now is way too long. I think after a, a period of time – 
congressmen and senators become corrupt standing there so long. That's why I think they they actually need a, a term limit. But, you know, not only that, but Maxine Waters is making some crazy situations, right? You know, and uh, especially if this guy gets an appeal off of something you said. Just crazy, okay? Um, it says Nelson had mentioned Waters, not mentioned Waters by name, but how he was filmed the restaurant he was making. We'll give you that Congressman Waters may have given you something to appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned to just yet. But what's the state's position? Okay, it says, Nelson referred to Waters' recent comments that she joined protests in Minneapolis that if Chauvin was not convicted, that they want to have, they would have to get more confrontational, calling it mind-boggling that we would have a U.S. representative threatening acts of violence in relation to this specific case. And she knows better. They've been talking this about her for a long time. Calm your ass down. Sit down somewhere and just be quiet. You know, this is a, a thing that y'all seen anti-maxing. I always wanted to be a friend. Her ego is getting bigger than she's actually effective. She needs to sit her ass, old ass down somewhere and calm down. Respectfully. Reclaim uh, your time sitting down. I mean, Lord, have mercy. Hopefully she doesn't give this man a chance to appeal, okay? Uh, let's see what else are we going to talk about? Oh, we talk about this copy. Dude, that's how we talk about him and a monkey out with Let's talk about uh, this copyright uh, dance thing. Okay, and then the ridiculous, most ridiculous thing. I just was like, come on, are we serious right now? But this is according to Verity.com. It says, Beyonce and Megan Thee Stallion's choreographer, Jaquiel Knight, launches company to copyright dance moves. Shaquille Knight has made history as the first choreographer to copyright his, his iconic dance moves. In a giant stride to take creative control, Knight has launched Knight Choreography and Music Publishing, Inc. Knight shot to fame after crafting the moves in Beyonce's Single Ladies video. Since then, has become her go-to choreographer artist. Uh, the artist tours in her uh, epic Coachella performances. He also has masterminded the move behind the Jennifer Lopez Shakira 2020 Super Bowl halftime Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion's WAP video. Copywriting movement is about putting the power back in the artist's hands, Mike tells Verity. We set a historic precedent with our single ladies' copyright achievement. This is really crazy. Uh, and we are thrilled to be launching Night Choreography and Music Publishing Inc. so that the next generation of artists are afforded the same platform, resources, and tools to thrive creatively, financially, and commercial music industry. The company will operate in the same way a music publisher does, where we'll broker licensing deals and protect IP, except rather than copyright music, Night Choreography and Music Publishing will oversee the rights to Night's dance moves. Now, how do we know they're fucking... Because, see, dance moves from dancers come from a lot of places. They can come from Africa, the uh, uh, the uh, African cultures, other cultures, you know, because a lot of black people go back to Africa, uh, moves and stuff. They can come from kids on the street. How the fuck you going to be copywriting a move? Don't even, why are they even letting him fucking do that? The fact that they even letting this person fucking copyright a dance move is ridiculous to me. 
Okay, it's, the, it's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But it says, um, additionally, the company tends to represent the rights for a diverse range of choreographers and creators across all genres and mediums. Oh, Lord. Acting as a strategic partner in copyright licensing and beyond has they changed the landscape and protections for choreographers. Oh, my God. People can't even make a video dancing without these motherfuckers trying to get paid. This is just some weird shit. I mean, <laughs> Issues of proper credit for dance moves arose recently when TikTok star Addison Ray received backlash for performing the Tonight Show. On the Tonight Show, a series of dancers popularized on the video platform and didn't credit mostly black creators of the moves. Host Jimmy Fallon addressed the controversy on air and followed a uh, following night telling uh, viewers, we recognize the creators of those dancers deserve to have their own spotlight. And where do they get them from? Because they may not even be the creators. See, a lot of, cre- it's just like the moonwalk. Some people think that Michael Jackson got that from Jeffrey Daniels, but where the fuck, Jeffrey Daniels might not have made that up. He might have saw a little kid on the street doing it. But fuck, people, these motherfuckers, black dancers come from a lot of motherfucking places, and to start putting copyright on fucking dances is ridiculous. Somebody come on here and do this, and you're like, I ain't giving me credit for my dance moves, because who knows if they your dance moves? It'd be kids in the street doing dances and stuff before, and these choreographers be out there paying attention to what's hip and new, and they will steal that shit and come and copyright and say it's theirs. This is this is out of control. This is out of control. Okay. Uh Knight will work in partnership with lawyer David Heck, who helped secure the copyright for simulators, and his managed producer, Mary Pinelli. Last year Knight served as creative director for Megan Thee Stallion's virtual concert for <laughs> So are they gonna copyright twerking? A certain type of twerk? <sighs> The world is going to be a crazy place. And I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet he is not doing this alone. There's powerful people behind him because he said the single ladies uh, thing. They choreographed that. It's people behind this, this, this putting up the money for this bullshit. This is the craziest motherfucking thing. Kids can't even go on TikTok now or go on a show and, and do a move without somebody saying, shit, give me some money for that. What the fuck? Or putting a copyright infringement thing on it. You just, I don't buy such and such. A dance? state of the world i'm serious this this is this is this is like somebody saying remember when lebron james wanted to and i don't know if he did it try to copyright taco tuesday this is just it's starting to get really ridiculous out in these streets lord have mercy lord have mercy nutty copywriting dance moves that is some bullshit if i ever heard it Oh my goodness! Woo. Okay, uh, let's see. Okay, we got two more stories. I'm going to end it with tonight, y'all. These two stories. Okay, Diddy launching his new record label, and Lori Harvey, Michael B. Jordan talks a lot. Lori Harvey. So let's end it with these two stories tonight. Let me pull it up, y'all. Oh my God. 
Okay. Now, this is according to CheatSheet.com. It says the sweet reason, showbiz cheat suit sweet. It says the sweet reason why Michael B. Jordan went public with Lori Harvey weren't romance. They said Michael B. Jordan is smitten with girlfriend Lori Harvey, and he isn't afraid to show the world just how strong his feelings are for her. In a new interview, the actor briefly touched up his on his and Harvey's relationship, sharing the sweet reason he decided to publicize their love on social media, despite his very private lifestyle. Jordan and Harvey first sparked romance rumors in November 2020. They were spotted stepping off a plane together in Atlanta over Thanksgiving. Okay, um, let's skip all that. It says, um, although the couple has been showing off their love for each other on social media since becoming Instagram official, they still kept light lips about their buddy romance. Oh, okay. This is everybody know it. He said, however, the recently, uh, that recently changed as the Black Panther story just opened up about his relationship with Steve Harvey's daughter. While speaking with people, Jordan briefly touched up his Harvey romance. Though he's always been private about his personal life, the actor revealed that he wanted to celebrate the love he shares with Harvey, which is why he decided to go public with the relationship. I'm still private, and I want to protect that, but I, it just felt like, a moment of just wanting to put it out there and move on, he told publication. I am extremely happy. Over the last few months, Jordan and Harvey haven't shied away from sharing uh, various PDA-field photos on Instagram and certainly haven't held back from showing the world just how much they mean to each other. I think when you get older, you feel more comfortable about the – uh, uh, about the public nature of the business that we're in, Jordan continues. So for me, it was a moment to, I guess, take ownership of that and then get back to work. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, I, listen. I like it. I think that it's a great look for him. Uh, you know, I think that uh, people. I think it also helps him because he was starting to look like he didn't have any relationships and stuff like that. You know, and he's a heartthrob. So a lot of women, you know, a lot of men like to hide it. You know, I remember reading about some people hiding the fact that back in the day that they had girlfriends, they was married and stuff like that. I think that's. <laughs> That is just horrible. I mean, you know, I mean, put it out there. If it survives, it survives. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But, uh, you know, people hide marriages and stuff. That's a whole other story. I mean, you hide marriages and kids and shit like that. That's kind of crazy because you're in show business and you want to appear to be uh, a single and you hide children and children. (laughs) Whole families and shit. That's stupid as fuck. But any, but other than that, but but you know, I can understand him. He's a single man showing he has a girlfriend showing he's out here. You know, I get it. I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. And people who say, "Well, I'm just hiding my family because of, I'm trying to keep everything private and stuff like that," I side eye it all. <laughs> I side eye anybody, especially if you hiding wife and kids. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, our husband and kids and whatever you know what I'm saying. You still be a player and, and not hide none of that. <laughs> but uh, it's very interesting. Okay, uh, yeah, good for him. I'm glad they're still going strong. Okay, uh, let's see what else I want to talk about here. I was gonna talk about Clark and Atlanta. I'm not gonna do that about them requiring vaccinations. Child, they gotta do what they want. What they gonna do. Y'all going to have to get vaccinated before y'all uh, 
go back to school at Howard or, I mean, not at, at, not at uh, any of the Atlanta black colleges, Spelman, Morehouse, or Clark. You're trying to put that, put that, uh, put vaccine, uh, things on y'all. Okay. Oh, this is our last story of the night. Diddy going to, uh, Diddy trying to start a record company? That's why I'm making the last story. I have more stories for y'all, but I'll make this the last story of the night. Child, this is going to be it. I did y'all show, okay? Which <laughs> uh, I found interesting. I'm like, what happened to bad boy? <laughs> uh, let's see here. Okay. This is according to MTV News. Oh, that's old. Okay, let's see what that is. That's not the article. Hmm. Let me pull this up here. I know he just he he announced this week that he's going to start a new record label called Love Records. <laughs> hey, ain't my business. I'm just saying, Diddy. Uh, I mean, my question is, what happened to uh, uh, the, the Bad Boy brand? Just what happened to it? Did it just fall apart? <laughs> I mean, you got to ask these questions, like. Uh, like really? Why are you starting another record label when the other one is gotten such? It has such a great moment in time, but it also ended up um, being like part of so many cautionary tales. So I wonder how different he's going to do it this time. But they're saying, according to Ronald Smith, Sean Diddy Combs is launching a new record label called Love Records. Diddy let that slip during. A recent dinner with friends. I guess they put Killer Mike in his birthday with Diddy and Puff said he made a new label called Love Records. Okay, and yeah, and he had this girl come out and sing who's going to be one of the first artists on the record uh, label. Apparently, she's already out there. Everybody's like, what? Okay. Listen, maybe Love Records is a sign that she's going to be a better. Uh, He's going to do a better job maybe with artists this time. Um, a lot of people thought he exploited his artists before. Um, it's interesting, okay? Uh, Diddy starting a record label, uh, considering all the bad juju that was surrounding Bad Boy, even though Bad Boy was quite successful, it just, like I said, it is the... Uh, it is also uh, a lot of cautionary tales that comes from a label, okay, like bad tales. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, most people think Diddy is just 
horrendous. Like, I'm going to read y'all some of the uh, comments on rhymeswithsnitch.com where this article is on, but it says, uh, so the people saying, Lord, he he can fuck up some more rappers. Lord, so he can fuck up some more rappers to steal their money. He loves being a snake. That's what people are saying. More people to steal money from. They can't possibly be any human walking this earth who hasn't heard of how much crooked biz man puffy is. Uh, then the next one said, love to exploit the hell out of you. Love to steal your artistry. Love to work you like slaves. Love to pay you uh, pittance. Love to pimp you to death. Love to leave you with scraps. Love to sell you the highest or lowest bidder, depending on upon the level of debauchery on any any given day. Love to leave you bewitched, bothered, and bewildered at gang's end. Uh, somebody else says, knowing his history and his relationship with other worldly forces, how many are, are ready to make a deal with the devil and include and including death? Y'all still want to meet this bitch at the crossroads? <laughs> this is that's a that's on rhymes with snitch dot com. This is where that article comes from. From listen, I'm not saying that that's what people were saying on the uh, on the afterwards. And see, he has such a bad reputation, so. I feel like when if he's getting ready to launch a new record label, he really has to get. It's like I said about Anita Baker a few uh, a few weeks ago, and it, it seems like it's working for Anita Baker. Uh, I don't know if she's gotten her masters yet, but y'all seem like I don't know if y'all really stopped streaming or not. But I felt like Anita Baker would have been more effective by putting pressure and getting out here and not being like a a lady who seems retired and and acting, you know, like she doesn't want to be in the business or anything. I thought she'd be more suited to get out here. I said get in the gym. Like if she's what I mean by getting in the gym is get back your uh your energy so you can get back on the road or you can get back out there and begin to speak to the people about reminding them how important you are as an artist and your legacy. Because I didn't think just sitting behind the Twitter desk worked, but hey, I guess it is working for her. I don't know, but I always believe artists are better out here to sell their own case and not be behind the screen talking about I'm retired all day and kind of saying, "Hey, kids, help me by not streaming my music." I don't think that's a good idea. I think that when the pandemic is up, Anita Baker should get back out here. I think she should still be record one final album. I think she should, I know she did one final tour. I think she should need to record again. And I wouldn't say it's a final tour, but I do a nice tour with some other old school artists. Right. And I get in shape and everything. And then I would also sell my story as I go from place to place or as I show up at places like the Essence Fest. Or I would do a residency in some place like Las Vegas where I don't have to leave and talk to the people every night about my shit and why it's important and what, how artists are important. I think you kill more. I mean, you draw more bees with that type of honey than you do sitting behind the Twitter saying, "Please, lovelies, don't, don't, uh, don't uh, download my music." And I mean, because these record companies, blah blah blah. And plus, there's a perception of Anita Baker out here has kind of, even though people like her, but they're in her music and they understand she's a legend. But there is this perception out her here of her kind of being like a rude artist. So I think she has to reinvent herself, even in her 60s, to go out here and sell this idea that I need my master. 
right? And so I think Diddy has to reinvent himself as an artist out here that is worthy of starting a record company again and a, and a worthy executive of treating my artists right and with respect because there is this idea that Diddy's artists are not treated with respect. They end up after doing recording with Bad Boy or after doing music with Bad Boy, they end up on Skid Row. They end up extremely religious and trying to outrun whatever shit was happening on Bad Boy. I mean, he really has this reputation that it doesn't make it, it won't make it very easy for him to start another label without kind of reinventing himself and confronting the energy about him, confronting those truths about him, really talking about it and really diving into the business of what was going on and how hard it is to run a record company and how hard it is, you know, and, then, you know, he can't be like a character like what I consider Jay-Z, like trying to be elusive. Like Jay-Z, like, I don't just fuck what people think. No, because eventually he's going to run into that too. It's his wife that keeps him very popular. But for Diddy, he has got to make that confrontation of all this bad energy out there about him in order to sell, resell the idea of him running a record label again and people actually – Artists actually trusted him. It's always going to be some artists that's going to sign because people, artists sometimes are desperate. But people actually trusted him to treat his artists well or actually want to support him and his record label because they feel like he's a good CEO because there's this attitude out there that Diddy is uh, an exploiter and all these things, okay? So I really think he has to work out, come out here and reinvent himself, talk about what people are talking about, explain his story, explain what he did wrong, what he did right, be honest about it. And I think people may have a different perception of him if he does that, okay? So, yeah. We have come to the end of the Carlotta Chatwood show. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Okay, I thought I was going to give y'all a show before I I do my out-of-town business. Okay, so I may come back this week to give y'all a show uh, maybe next week sometime before the big show. But I know there was a couple other stories I wanted to talk to y'all about. But we'll save them for uh, the next time. I forgot to talk to y'all about this Florida couple that tried to host, uh, they tried to host a wedding at this big mansion thinking it was vacant, and they invited people to the mansion and everything. Oh, my God. I think I, I, think I got the story up on the Carolina Chatwood page. It's crazy. They had they had this, like, told, they put it on their invitation like it was a mansion and everything. But the problem is on the day of the wedding, the owner showed up at the mansion like to, uh, as I said, turn people away. <laughs> y'all crazy out here. You business crazy as fuck. So anyways, y'all think y'all can have uh, this wedding at a at this uh, vacant mansion. Boy, y'all bold. Y'all bold. <laughs> this was in Florida that this happened. I was going to read y'all that story. I might say that or, or put it up where y'all can see, read the story on the Carlotta Chatwood page, the full story. That is the craziest shit I've ever heard. Y'all crazy in these streets. Just a bold group. 
pro group of humans nowadays, okay? All right, you guys. I want you guys to have a wonderful weekend. Remember, if you want to hit me up, you can go to the clock because I'm not going to come back on. You know how I normally come back on and say, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, no, I'm not going to do that tonight. So here's the deal. If you want to hit me up, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chat with Facebook page. There's a message. You guys definitely use the messages, okay? If you got something to say or whatever, or if you want to say something under my post, uh, post some of the posts, uh, the articles and things I talk about, you're welcome to do that. Go to the Carlotta Chatwood page. Are you interested in some, a topic being on the show? Are you interested in seeing an article or something like that? Or maybe you have something you'd like to be on the show about, definitely hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. Also, you can hit me up on uh, Instagram, Carly's underscore Galaxy. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I have two Twitter accounts. Uh, the one where I post most of the articles and stuff that we're going to talk about during the week is the C. Chatwood Show side, okay? And Carlotta72, I'm not kind of using that as much, but it's still a Twitter handle, okay? So C. Chatwood Show and Carlotta72. Also, uh, I put, you can hit me up on Instagram, like Carly's underscore gal, okay? So that's all of it, you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Enjoy your weekend. Get out. Get some fresh air, enjoy it. If it's sun in y'all's neck of the woods, enjoy the sun, okay? Uh, we're going to leave out with, uh, we're going to leave out with, I don't know. I think we're going to leave out with, um, hmm, let's leave out with, uh, dang, I have a hard time choosing, y'all. Goodbye, fun for y'all. <laughs> uh, let's leave it. This is, you know, it's late, okay? Uh, let's leave out with no plans for love. That's my, that's my new, that's in my jam. That's the, I've been jamming to that, okay? Uh, uh, D-Nice's new one with Neo and Kent, okay? It's the CC show. Y'all have a good week. Uh, y'all have a good weekend, okay? I'm out. <laughs> Welcome to CQ. 